welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. It's Tokyo time and we couldn't be more excited. We've spoken a lot about the Matildas and what we expect from them, but we're not as well versed on our opponents. So ahead of the games, we've enlisted the help of some experts from New Zealand, Sweden and the US to teach us all about our Group G opponents. So today we're talking about Sweden. So in addition to the usual voices of me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian Wilkes and Sam Lewis and Anna Harrington, I didn't forget Harrow, um, we're joined by Swedish football writer and photographer Mia Eriksson. So Mia, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're so excited to talk to you about Sweden and what to kind of expect from them in the Olympics. So to kick us off, can you kind of take us through what the last year has been like for Sweden? We know it's been crazy for everyone. The Matildas didn't get to play for nearly 400 days, but what's it been like for Sweden? Yeah, I mean, Sweden has been through a successful Euro qualification. They played a very uh, exciting friendly game versus the US back in April. Um I think it's kind of funny now because I'm taking a course at Barça Innovation Hub in tactical football analysis. So I'm very, you know, kind of into that. So they have this philosophy that they they don't, um, you know, uh, analyze single out games. They sort of analyze uh, trends. Uh, so in... Speaking of that, I think Sweden is uh, having a good trend at the moment. So you mentioned the USA there, Mia, and like the draw against the USA, I think was one of the rarest uh, sort of results that has any other national team has got against the USA. And you also got a draw against Australia. Does that give you confidence about Sweden's chances coming into this group in the Olympics against both of those teams? Yeah, I mean, they, they played very differently uh, in, in those two games. Uh, if I'm going to be uh, honest and modest, uh, I don't think they, they did not play with their <clears throat> starting players versus Australia. And I'm, I mean, I think as a Swede at the moment, I think we, we have to uh, dare to expect good results because we have a good team. Uh, and I spoke to Peter Jaradson uh, back in May. I did an interview with him because I was interested, interested to see, talking about him, uh, to him about his coaching philosophy. Uh, and I think I, I kind of get where he's coming from and why, why Sweden is so good at the moment. Solid and stable, uh, I would uh, describe, that, describe them. Mayor, Sweden just seemed to do so well at big tournaments all the time. Like, he did so well at the last Olympics. He obviously got the bronze medal at uh, the most recent World Cup. What is it about this team that makes them such big game, big tournament performers? Because on paper, there are some very good players, yes. But I think come, when it comes to tournaments, people don't necessarily look at you as, like, the big threats. But you always seem to do well. What, what is it about Sweden? Uh, I think it's about the fact that Sweden is ha, has a group of players, and I would I will use Peter Jaradson's words now because I think this is the truth. Uh, it's a group of players that can adapt tactically uh, and are very flexible in use of in in how he can use them. 
uh, I mean, ahead of the Olympics, all of the head coaches have been talking about the fact that it's important to have flexible, flexible players uh, that can play more than one position. Uh, but that's easier said than done. Uh, so I think that's what Sweden is very good at. They don't let themselves being disturbed in that process. I suppose you touched on it a little bit as well. I think Sweden, you do consistently do well, but you haven't had a, gotten the gold recently. Are there high expectations around this team? Are Swedish football fans... Are they the, the type to put big expectations on their national team? I know with the US, everyone's like, we've got to get gold. If we don't get gold, it's a failure. But I'm wondering what the vibe is around, yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, I think that's a question of culture. Uh, we, we're, we're not the type of football fans that slaughter our players. Uh, I mean, obviously, some always will do that. But media is not like that here. Um, so, but I think this time the players themselves has gone out and said that we want the gold medal, go, want the gold medal. Uh, so I think, yeah, we, we expect them to do good, but I want to, to just back it up a little bit because one, one of you said that Sweden always have good results in tournaments. I think we're kind of a... You know, we do well in one and then we don't do well in another because in the Euros uh, 2017, we just reached the quarterfinal and uh, the play in that tournament wasn't that good. Uh, so if we're going to look at that point of view, <laughs> uh, this tournament is kind of critical uh, in terms of that because, yeah. And you do have a squad, Mia, sort of similar to the Matildas, where your core group of players are a couple of years older now, a couple of years more experienced. They've been through the Euros, they've been through an Olympics, they've been through a World Cup. Where is Sweden in terms of their sort of generational life cycle? Do you sort of feel like they're the core group of players are starting to reach their peaks now that this Olympics and the Women's World Cup in 2023 will be the moment for Sweden? Or do you feel like they're, they're in a bit of a different time? No, I think you're kind of spot on there. Um, I mean, we, we don't have that many young players. I mean, if I look at Australia, you have a lot of young upcoming players that, that will take your national team uh, into the future as well. They're going to be a part of that. I mean, we have Hannah Bennison. She is uh, 18 years old. And, and if, if you look at the growth and in the back line, that's, yeah, that's a worrying thing, I can think, <laughs> when I look at it, because, I mean, they're, they're like... I mean, we have Magdalena Eriksson, we have Amanda Ilestet, uh, Hannah Glass, and Jonna Andersson. Um, all of them 27, 28 years old. So it's going to be interesting to see that. What were your opinions on the, the squad that was released for the Olympics, Mia? Like, and what's the reaction been in Sweden? Um, and I guess also, who are the players that you're excited to see? I think we're, we're happy about the squad. Uh, one or two surprises, of course, as usual, but uh, 
Even so, the players that were selected are not unexpected in themselves. So I think it's, you have two players that didn't, they, they weren't a part of the squad now when they played Australia, for, for example. And that's striker Anna Anvegård, who was the golden boot scorer in the Damalsvenskan uh, last season for FC Rosengård. Uh, and then you have Lina Huppig, a uh, former Linköping player, uh, now in Juventus. Uh, and she was the goal scorer versus the USA. Uh, both of them are in the squad for the Olympics. Uh, so I th- and, and Anna Anvegård ha- has had a rough season. She has been injured, both knees and concussions. So she haven't got herself going yet. Uh, just started a couple of games and it's kind of late in the Swedish season now. Uh, so, um, but I think she's, she's actually the only striker in Sweden that is very, I don't know how, how to say this because I don't know how much you watched the Swedish strikers. Uh, they know how to score. We're good at set pieces. You know that. <laughs> uh, of course, we, we score goals from op- open play, but um, during the Euro qualifications matches, it was a lot of set pieces goals. Um, but she is the kind of player who can decide a game with an, a goal from open play. Um, you know, she can turn in, in the box very small space and, and then it's it's goal. Um, so I think Sweden will need a player like that uh, in the Olympics. And I did a, an analysis using a, a platform, scouting platform too, called Transfer Lab the other week to kind of, you know, just examine the, the options Sweden has in the back line now because... I mean, both Linda Sembrandt and Nila Fischer, who has been playing centre-back duo uh, in the Olympics 2016, in the Euros 2017, and in the World Cup uh, 2019, where Magdalena Eriksson has been playing left uh, fullback, And they're not going to be a part of this squad. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a big responsibility on a player like Magdalena Eriksson this time. Um, so obviously she's kind of experienced with the responsibility, uh, but she is a player that I think it shows when she's not on the pitch. And I think, I mean, I photographed for Australia <laughs> the game they played uh, versus Sweden. So I was on the attacking side for Australia, uh, both halves. Uh, uh, and when you, when you fo- uh, shoot, you know, uh, and going to take pictures, it becomes very obvious if if the opponents um, stop a team from attacking. And I think the first half, I don't think it, it was many times that Australia got the ball up into danger zones. Uh, and I mean, obviously, Magdalena Eriksson had a very big part of that because she put Sam Kerr out of the action a lot. And she, she read the play very good uh, on that side. Is Magda Eriksson okay, uh, Mia? Because I remember she came out of that game with a, it looked like a bit of a calf injury. And obviously we don't hear so much about it from here. Is she expected to be fully fit and ready to go? Yeah, we haven't heard anything about that. And 
And uh, after that game, they they said they weren't uh, worried at, at all. So I hope I hope they are <laughs> speaking the truth. <laughs> and just bouncing off that, Mia, like being on the sideline, being the photographer for that game between the Matildas and Sweden. What did you make of Australia? What in putting your sort of technical analysis hat on? How did you assess that game and that performance from Australia? Yeah, I think. I, I did go back now into Y Scout actually and, and watch the stats for Australia's four games. I mean, versus the Netherlands, uh, Germany, Denmark, and Sweden. Uh, and it was very different, you know, obviously dif- different formations, uh, but very different numbers in order of possession uh, wise and, and, you know, uh, do amount of duels uh, and stuff and and versus Denmark and Sweden it was kind of even in Sweden we would say mellanmjölk we would call it middle milk because it was eh, like not not excited exciting at all we usually call it like that you know it's not the light milk it's not the fat milk it's the in between in between land <laughs> that's absolutely what it was you, yeah, you, Mia, you're yeah, gonna have to type that out for us so we can use it as like the title for this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> all, all of all of the Swedes are gonna know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, we have a word for in between. It's logom, and that's the only. I think it's the only language in the world that has that kind of a word for for the in between thing thing. So I think that's what that game was in between. Um, very boring game. Um, and especially, I think if you're a photographer, you want, you know, the action <laughs> and it was no action at all. So that's what, what, yeah, that's my take on that game. What are you anticipating at the Olympics? Do you think it's going to be a little bit spicier? Yeah, I think, um, and I expect Sweden to line up with Amanda Ilestet and Magda uh, Eriksson in the middle uh, if, they, if they play a back four. And then you have Hanna Glass and Amanda Ilestet on the right-hand side. They played together in Bayern Munich. Uh, and then you have Magda and Jonna on the left-hand side who played together in Chelsea. And what's kind of interesting uh, with Magdalena Eriksson and Jonna is that Magda uh, is very good at keeping Jonna in the right position. So you, you can really see that they are playing together uh, on a daily basis, know each other inside out. And I think then you have the two Bayern players uh, on the other side. I think those four, uh, together obviously with a player like Caroline Seger and Kosovar Aslani, they are the key players and they are the you know, stable ground uh, in the Swedish team. Um, so I'm expecting them to, you know, keep, keep it spicy enough uh, because Amanda Ilestet, she's very good um, in defending. And then you have Magdalena Eriksson, who is very good uh, at ball carrying and, you know, uh, a big and important piece of the puzzle in the build-up. I don't know if you, I mean, you have been watching Chelsea play obviously. <laughs> and I mean, she's, she's the second center back behind Leah, William, Leah Williamson in, in the WSL uh, to carry the ball uh, in progression and moving forward. Uh, so I think 
we're going to see what we saw versus the US. Uh, and then you have uh, Fridolina Rolf, uh, also a very good uh, ball carrying player. Uh, and I think to see those combinations between Jonna Andersson and Fridolina Rolf versus the US, it was for a Swede, it was, you know, delicious and yummy because it's not always you get to see that kind of play from Sweden because they, they are a stable and solid team. But uh, if we're speaking of, of goal scoring, you know, spectacular goals, you don't get that from Sweden. They get the job done, uh, not in a, in a bad way or in a, you know, kind of unfair way. Um, but I mean, we're good at counterattacks and defending and set pieces. Can, can you make us feel a little bit better, Mia? Like, what are your weaknesses? What's Sweden's weaknesses? <laughs> like, genuinely. Yeah, I, please, yes, put all your cards on the table, <laughs> Mia. Please tell us so that we yeah. can get in the ear of Tony Gustafsson and uh, <laughs> let him know. We can be his little spies. But, yeah, genuinely from your perspective, Mia, because you mentioned, obviously, when things fell apart in the Euros and you, you tend to go far in tournaments, but where do you want to see the improvement? Where do you think teams can get you at the moment? In the goal scoring part, yeah, I think you have to score goals, uh, especially in a tournament. I mean, in the Olympics last time, penalties, you know, defending all through and did it very good. And But you see, I think you're going to have to score goals to to manage this uh, this time around. And I think that's their goal as well as a group. Peter Gerardsson have been talking about that a lot, you know, to, to um, not just go for, for the counters, uh, actually play towards the goal. And I think they, they sort of did that uh, quite a lot versus Australia as well. But, but then when I looked at the game afterwards, uh, you know, the first touches from the strikers who, who started weren't the best. So it, it was that middle milk thing again uh, inside Australia's box. <laughs> I'm so curious, Mia, you mentioned 2016 and that was such an incredible moment for women's football, I think, when Sweden beat the USA in the quarterfinals of Rio on penalties and famously Hope Solo, the US women's national team goalkeeper, came out after the game and said that Sweden were cowards because you basically defended your way to that result. What was the what was the reaction to that comment and to that moment in Sweden? Were people just absolutely pumped about that win? Uh, yeah, uh, we just call like, I think it was Magdalena Eriksson that said that in an interview afterwards that Hope Solo was just a sore loser. Um, so, yeah, she actually said that. So <laughs> I think that's the truth. But, you know, teams do tend to do what they're good at a lot. And Sweden are a very good team at defending. It's very organized, you know, and, and I mean, Sweden, Sweden is good at that. But I think, I think you have to, I mean, it's five years ago and football is developing and, and now you have to score goals to win uh, versus uh, these big teams you're going to play. Uh, and then I think... I mean, it's kind of funny, though, that the U.S. were knocked out uh, due to penalties uh, the last time around. And now they had a penalty, soft penalty in the Swedish 
you know, fans' uh, point of view, uh, to get the draw versus Sweden. Um, so I think it's it was the funniest, most attractive uh, attacking football I've seen Sweden play uh, for a very long time uh, in that game. In that sense, do you almost feel like you've figured out the USA? Like that draw was a pretty significant moment, forcing that last minute penalty from Megan Rapino, which was very soft to get that draw in the friendly recently. Do you sort of feel like Sweden have the upper hand coming into this group? Uh, I think Sweden in the group stage of the Olympics will have the best tools to beat the USA. I'm not saying that it's going to happen because this is where I get uh, modest uh, because we are talking about the USA here. Um, and But I think Sweden will be the best contender to beat the US in, in this group. Just curious uh, what you think, Mayor, of Tony Gustafsson, the Matildas coach. What's his reputation in Sweden? I know he obviously had the, a club reputation in terms of club football before going and linking up with the US. Like, how is he viewed over there? Uh, very positive. And I think, I mean, he's the main reason for Sweden's uh, good stats in the set pieces <laughs> um, area. Um, so I think... and. Also, I think in Sweden, we're kind of, it's like now when Jonas Edeval uh, will go from, F, from S, uh, FC Rosengård to, um, to Arsenal. It's a big deal for Sweden to, to have coaches uh, with these kind of jobs. Uh, and I think we see it as a very good thing for Swedish football in general. So we're proud of him too. We just don't want him to beat Sweden in the Olympics. That's all we're asking for. Fair enough. Fair. <laughs> um, speaking about coaches as well, so I, I did some quick maths earlier and it looks like Sweden has the most coaches present um, coaching women's football at the Olympics. We've got Pia, Peter and Tony. Um, and you mentioned the big move for Jonas as well, more recently to Arsenal. What, what is it about Sweden and Swedish football that means you're able to produce these kinds of coaches? Is there something built into the football philosophy or culture that means, or just even like organisationally, there's good pathways? I'm interested in hearing about that. Well, this is just my guessing uh, thing, but if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna look at Swedish football in general, I think it was a time, like ten years ago, uh, the Swedish women's league uh, were seen as one of the best leagues um, in Europe. And then we have um, fallen behind. Uh, I mean, but, and this is where I, my frustrating, I get a bit frustrated at this because I think Sweden hasn't uh, been able to find their place in the food chain again. Uh, we have a good league. We're good at, I think all of Scandinavia is good at developing players. I mean, look, I live in Linköping. Uh, I'm in the election committee for uh, Linköping FC. I, I shoot their games and, and yeah, I'm involved with the club in many ways. And I think you have to accept that you are playing in a league that is good at developing players for the bigger leagues. Uh, and I think if we look at it uh, the same way on coaches, 
it might be the same way there. And so we're good at developing people in football, but then we have to let them go and, and you know, do their thing. <laughs> and bouncing off I mean, that, Mia, you know, Pia Sundhag seems to be a bit of a legend when it comes to Swedish yeah. football coaching. Oof. You know, she's now the head coach of the Brazil women's team and an absolute fiend on Twitter, I have to say. She's just sensational she posts photos of herself singing you know doing all this fabulous stuff how is Pia in particular seen because she has such an incredible CV is she seen as a bit of a legend in Sweden as well yeah not the right word to use melan mjölk or middle milk with her I can say she is yeah she she is a legend Um, I think she she was if she wasn't before as a coach, when she took uh, Sweden to that silver medal uh, in the Olympics, uh, and then we had the you know Swedish football awards uh, on on the and and she took uh, was, was standing on stage in uh, national te- television with her guitar and sang, and the, all the players came up on stage to sing with her. You know, it like yeah. Melting inside, warm heart, fussy heart, uh, you know, butter like. Uh, so yeah, she's a legend. I think though that if if um, you know if we're gonna uh, talk about what the media wrote about her and and her relationship to the players, I think she she is where she is today because she has uh, she might not be that Swedish in her way of coaching because in Sweden <laughs> we are like this and you don't take a player off the pitch if the player plays bad you talk to the player afterwards and say oh maybe you should think of this and this and oh yeah good yeah but but you did good and I mean if, if we're going to look in England with the women's football, I know that some players that have gone abroad from Sweden are kind of shocked sometimes uh, about the, you know, the straightness. And if you're not playing, you know, playing better, I will take you off now. Um, and I think she is, she knows what it takes to win. Uh, and I mean, obviously not all players can like a coach. I don't think, I don't think that's possible because we're we're so different as human beings but i know the media wrote uh, about her relationship to kosovo Aslani during that time and that it wasn't it's supposed it reported that it wasn't so good but well you don't know <laughs> obviously but i think i mean she she did win with the us she took sweden far uh, and now she's in Brazil, so I think that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, so she's a, she's a true legend here. I might just sort of round it out by projecting forward. Mia, how are you thinking about Sweden in the context of this tournament? How far are you expecting them to go? And which teams do you think are going to be the trickiest to get past? Uh, obviously in the group <laughs> first then. Uh, yeah, I think I expect Sweden to win uh, all the games. And I, uh, I expect them to win the games versus New Zealand and Australia. Um, that's my expectation. And I'm going to stick by it. No hard feelings. That's fine. That's totally so, fine. No, we haven't uh, taken it personally at all. <laughs> Angela, do you want to put it back in the waiting room? Or? 
I hope they will beat the US. Uh, I think they, they have the chance to do it. But then uh, into the knockout stage, I think England will obviously be, yeah, they're kind of a tricky team too, because I don't think they, they haven't impressed me at all <laughs> in their friendlies. Uh, I think Canada could be a rough contender for uh, the other teams to play. Brazil, um, perhaps. Um, and I, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge about Japan, but I think they're kind of good as well. Um, but my expectations is that Sweden will reach the final. I'm going to dare to say it and be very un-Swedish now. I just have one quick question off of that. Penalties. Sweden's done penalty shootouts, like the last Olympics. Did you do penalty shootouts? And in Australia, we have trauma associated with penalty shootouts at big tournaments. Do you share that? Like, and also you mentioned that Sweden are a very defensive team. So are you just sort of like, do you have anxiety around that potentially happening a lot? I don't know. It's no. No? Okay. Yeah, no, I haven't. But but I think I, I want open play score goals. I want to watch football, you know, that's offering us goals from open play during the 90 minutes uh, of time. So not anxiety. And I think we, we kind of, we might be a kind, kind of a cocky, um, you know, citizens in Sweden about um, the penalty shootouts. Uh, it might come back to bite bite us <laughs> if we're too cocky about that. So I'm not going to say anything about it. But um, no, I don't want penalty shootouts. I don't think anyone ever truly does. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> Only maniacs need that. <laughs> like, yeah. Have that sort of energy that enjoy penalty shootouts. After the, the World Cup and the Rio Olympics, we really don't want any more penalties as Australian fans. We're just, no, thank you. You keep it keep it to yourself, please. But um, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like I've learned so much about Sweden and the team and what to kind of expect from them. So I will say good luck for the game, but I don't really mean it because I want us to win. But thank you so much for chatting with us. It's been so much fun having you on. Yeah, I will wish you good luck for every game you don't play Sweden in. You know what? That's, that's, that's mutual. That's mutual. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. Perfect. That's all we wanted. All we ever wanted. Yeah. Exactly. Let's. We'll, we'll just both get out of the group, and that's that's the best way to to do it here. But um, no. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We're on Spotify, Google and Apple. You can leave a review if you like what we're doing and subscribe so that all our episodes come straight into your feed. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, we're at the Far Post Pod on social media, so feel free to chat to us there. But um, otherwise, see us. <laughs>